0: Okay, Inappropriate Earl. We've done three this week. We're not fucking around anymore. (laughs) We're number one in iTunes comedy until Papa Rogan came back and took his rightful spot. But number two doesn't suck. Number two uh, is awesome. I mean, number two is all right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there was a big article on... uh, People hacking into the iTunes charts, and iTunes got rid of all those podcasts, and I'm still there, so I wasn't one of the hackers. That's awesome. Thank you very much. And today I have someone who I literally just met <laughs> two minutes ago. Yeah. But thanks to the great Jonathan Brandstein, I have the great Ben Bailey in the house. What is up, man? How's it going, dude? I like well, your house. I like your place. It's I mean, it's paid off.
1: Oh, that's awesome. And I would That's amazing. Good for you.
0: You know, I wasn't sure what we were going to talk about, and then I saw that you have an affiliation with someone that I'm obsessed with. Oh, boy. Because late night, (laughs) when I used to live in Beverly Hills, they had a great public access channel. Right. And there was a talk show that this old dude (laughs) with with kind of, he kind of looked like Carol Channing. (laughs) And I'm not making fun of him, like, because he's a legend in, in the, uh, certainly the Hollywood uh, business, the great Skippy e. Lowe. Skippy e. Lowe. Yeah, I
1: remember Skippy. That's amazing. Of course, I remember. He's the first one to ever put me on stage. How did you guys cross paths? Uh, I was working answering the phones at the store way back when, uh, in the green room. And uh, I ended up telling this crazy story of how I ended up out here in L.A. and. And a bunch of people listening, uh, one of whom was Skippy Lowe. And he thought I was a comedian. Everyone kinda of thought I was a comic. I was the way I was telling this story. I had told it a bunch of times and I kind of had a routine, even though I didn't really realize it. But and he was like, How long have you been doing stand up? And I was like, Uh, I just started, you know, I, have, I had never done it before. He's the first guy who put me on. He goes, Why don't you do my show on Saturday in the belly room? So I did. And then I was kind of instantly hooked. It is a drug. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure, man. I just felt like I was home. I mean, I was nervous as hell, of course, going up there. But as soon as I got a laugh, I was like, This is this is me, man.
0: This is where I live. Yeah, I this mean this is I, my spot right here. I tell people I get a sexual high from it when it goes well. <laughs> when it doesn't go well. It'd be weird if you got a sexual high from it when it didn't go well, then well, you'd have to like bomb on purpose just to get off. Oh, well, I bomb uh not on purpose. It's it's a <laughs> it's a talent. Uh But, like, who were your stand-up, like, when I started stand-up, my, not mentors, but the people I looked up to were, like, non-comics, like Archie Bunker. Right. Because I loved how he would say (laughs) the, I'm not for what he was saying, but how he played this crazy racist, but you still kind of liked him. Like, did you have traditional, like, people you gravitated to, like stand-ups? Well, I had funny people in my
1: family. My father's very sarcastic and, and very funny. And my mother's dad was a great storyteller and just always making us laugh when we were kids. And, uh, you know, some of that rubbed off on me. Right. And it, it was definitely like a a coping me- mechanism, I would say. I figured out how to be funny to alleviate painful or stressful situations at home
0: or at school or wherever. Were you bullied in school? Sure
1: yeah but I was also a bully. I was like i I was both I got bullied, and then like as a retaliation for that, I bullied some people
0: because you're a pretty a big bit. dude.
1: I wasn't though I am now, but i wasn't wasn't big as a kid I was kind of tall, like medium height and super thin. um I think it's more psychological too the bullying like you could bully if you if you figure out how to like you know really give someone a hard time, you can do it.
0: Oh, yeah. It's like I mean, a, it
1: feels like you're fighting for status. Like, if you're getting bullied by people, then you feel like you're at the bottom. But after that, you, you I figured out, oh, if I, I could bully a couple people. And it feels like I've kind of brought myself back up a little bit, you know? Oh, I mean, sure. You, you haven't, for real, but it feels that way. And So, yeah, I kind of did. I got bullied plenty. And I bullied people some and until I figured out that it, it left me feeling shitty, too. So, it's like... You know, like you know, the kid who won the fight, but is crying on the, on the walk home anyway. It is a bad
0: <laughs> feeling, but sometimes people just deserve it. <laughs> I feel bad saying that. Like, what do you mean? In what instances? Like, I think a bully deserves to be bullied. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, totally. Uh, that's the only people I enjoy bullying or other bullies. Yeah. Because I find when you bully a bully, they shut down. They do. They don't know. They don't. They're not used to a deal. They're like, wait a minute, I don't play this role. And I was bullied a lot as a kid because mm. I've been the same size since like the fourth grade. You were full grown? Pretty much. Wow. And I, I've told this before. And you're not a small guy. How tall are you? I'm 6'2", maybe. Wow.
1: Uh, we had a kid who was in my school who was like full grown when we were in fourth grade also. And he really had a rough time.
0: Well, it's weird. You, you'd think you wouldn't be bullied because you're so much bigger than everyone. Yeah. But they would call me Elephant Man because, you know, my head was like (laughs) the size it is now, but (laughs) in fourth grade. Yeah. Like I would just cry. Yeah. Oh, it's brutal, man. You know, and and I can imagine it's worse today with online, you know, Twitter. And I don't, you know, I don't know if it is or not. I I
1: mean, it's been addressed clearly more than it ever had been when we were kids. I don't know how old you were. You're 50. You're 50. I'm old. So you're just a little bit older than I am, but... Uh, we're in the same, right in the same spot. When I was a kid, we, it wasn't even like a th- thing that had a name, right? It wasn't a problem that had a name and and was to be addressed. It was just, so, it was like a fact of life. You're gonna get bullied when you go to school. So everybody's gonna get, yeah, to a certain extent. And you know what are you gonna do? <laughs> how, how are you gonna handle it?
0: I just so accept. I don't know it. if it's worse than it was or if it's like not as bad as it was. I really don't know yet, but well, I. I I think it's easier now. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you could just, uh, I don't know what kids use the most today. I'll, I'll assume Twitter. And you could just say, you know, Ben Bailey's a blockhead. And I could just tweet it out. Right, right. Or oh, you're saying
1: you think it's easier to
0: bully yeah. these days, right? Uh, you know, I know. Cyber, uh, that would be cyber bullying, wouldn't it? Yeah, which I know uh, the first lady just did a speech on it today, which is crazy to me. What's the, her name again? Melania. All oh, right. And like her husband's like. You're pretty aggressive on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a cyber bully a little bit, isn't he? I mean.
1: And so what did she say? She, she was just like. She was endorsing it.
0: (laughs) Uh, If you can cyber bully one day, you'll be president. (laughs) (laughs) She was saying how she was the most bullied person on earth. Oh, really? And I, I would. This is after they were married. Um, this is as of today. Yeah. So, uh, and then of course he's on Twitter an hour later after he gave the speech or after she gave the speech, uh, making fun of some, uh, democratic Senator. So, wow. you know The irony of the modern world is almost too much for me. I, I, I love him. He's just such a wild card.
1: I was at the gym and I looked up and there's Kanye West yeah, talking to Donald Trump in the Oval Office. And I, I was like what has happened to the world
0: this is the news
1: like idiocracy to me like it's it's a parody of itself it's 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 like turned completely inside out I,
0: it's mind-boggling do you find it easier to write material in, in this wacky world i know well no it's the same for me I, I don't write about
1: topical stuff at all i don't talk about politics i don't i'm not motivated or inspired to write about that stuff i write about weird stuff i write about like why do people build birdhouses right you know Birds can build their own houses why do we take it upon ourselves to provide free housing for them that's sort of weirdo kind of oddball stuff that i think is entertaining that's what i write about you know so
0: i mean i like nothing political really right right i like weird stuff like that because you know everyone talks about the same stuff for the most part relationships parents yeah upbringing Yeah. yeah but you've had a wild upbringing i mean kentucky new york LA I mean you've you're almost a nomad I would say yeah we moved around a
1: lot and I ended up with uh, and you know and that's when I would get bullied when I was the new kid right being the new kid is tough man at least it was back then like in the last town I moved to I had to like the first day of school I had to like fight because I was tall I wasn't big but I was like as tall as the not the biggest kid right but who was also an outcast because of his size but as, like, the same height as, like, the toughest kid or the toughest kid. So I had to fight them. The first day of school, I had to fight, like, four kids in fourth grade. <laughs> yeah, I mean... It's like, this is going to be rough, man. <laughs> and you're like, wow, this is my life. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was the second time that had happened that I remembered. I had moved once earlier, but I was, you know, I was really little then. So, yeah, moving was tough. Now we're back to bullying.
0: <laughs> well, it's just so... uh I don't think, you know, back when we were kids, like fighting was almost an accepted, you have a problem with someone, you just fight. Yeah. Three o'clock, man. Yeah.
1: Three o'clock high.
0: Oh, that's one of my favorite movies.
1: I love that movie.
0: (laughs) Because I identify so much with Casey Shemotsko. Yeah. And Richard Tyson was just. Dude, that's a great movie. I met him once and I I don't get starstruck a lot, but I, I met him at Roddy Piper's Memorial. Right. And I had no idea he was a wrestling fan. Right. And I just walk up to him. Roddy like, Piper. I'm still surprised I
1: mean, that he died. Like, how did that just came out of...
0: You know, I was the co-host... He was doing stand-up, wasn't
1: he? He was, like, doing stand-up
0: dates. Or, he would tell stories. He, oh, okay. He was I'm just not sure if he was doing
1: stand-up. He would tell stories and then, like, a...
0: But he would come to the comedy store. A body store. slam or a, a suplex at the end of the show. Oh, he would do that to <laughs> you if you asked. Because <laughs> people are idiots at the comedy store. They're like, hey, Roddy, can you put me in a chokehold? And he would. Dude, could you choke me? Out? Yeah. Could you hit me with this chair? Yeah, it, he was he, awesome. Speaking
1: of great movies from that era, They Live. Look what's right there. Ah! It's a... Oh,
0: my God. An <laughs> autographed <laughs> They Live mask. Oh from God, Roddy Roddy dude. Piper.
1: That's amazing.
0: I mean, he gave that to me and I felt like I was winning the Stanley Cup. I was like, dude. oh my God, this is... Is that his hair on top? I don't, you know, I don't think so. Might be Keith David's hair. It Kind of looks... <laughs> dude, that's one of the best fight scenes of all time. Oh, it's the longest fight Those scene. guys knee each other in the balls like 14 times each. To get to meet Keith David. <laughs> I mean, it was a sad... His memorial was very sad, you know, because we all loved him. But it was hard not to get starstruck because there's Keith David like yeah. in the front row. He's and... been in a million things. He's always good. Oh, he was in Roadhouse. Yeah, man. You know Roadhouse. If you're of our age range, you know in the '40s, it's like the Star Wars of action movies. Just... I
1: I love that movie. Good and a good. It's one of those like best worst movies of all time. Like it's in a a separate genre. You know, like yeah, it's so like far fetched and silly, but it's just
0: awesome it just works it's like over the top yeah over the top yeah just like the you know star wars of arm wrestling movies i love it
1: when the dude comes in he's got a little blade in his boot yeah and the guy all the way on the other side of the bar
0: notices it he just goes right boot what (laughs) Like, got it (laughs) i i fucking love that movie man well it never gets old i've seen it i'm embarrassed to say probably a hundred times and if it's on it's one of those if it's on
1: I'm gonna leave it on. There's another movie. Just to see the fat guy say
0: a polar bear fell on me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that guy's great too. I had the bad guy on this podcast. The bad the, the ben, guy who not a word. Oh the whole the, movie. Oh, that guy. Okay. Marshall Teague is this, is the actor's name. The one who's like the It was like the henchman to he's Ben like Gazzara.
1: ultimate Battle at the end of the movie right. when Swayze keeps from ripping his throat out. And
0: he had the greatest. him live, right? Yes.
1: Yeah. And he had the well, greatest. That guy's line. badass, man.
0: Oh, he was a legit karate, you know, expert. And we watched the movie. It was you guys sat right here yeah. and watched Roadhouse, and we just commentated. And oh, that's awesome! So it was little things like that. Are like, I'm glad I have this podcast, dude. That's so cool. Um, and then I had the bad guy from Superman 2 on. Oh no way! The, but not, uh, Terrence Stamp. No, no. The big guy who didn't the, say the anything. The big guy, wow, No. Because <laughs> I just tweeted people and go, hey, would you come on my podcast? And most are like, no. You I had know. this really obscure bit where I
1: would say my girlfriend and I got in an argument on Facetime, and I got so mad I threw the iPad across the room, and she looked like the bad guys from Superman Two. You know, oh, it's- <laughs> in the end when they're flipping through yeah. space, uh, they're in that, <laughs> that like triangle. one-dimensional thing. Yeah, yeah. No one got it, but I thought it was fun.
0: Well, that's the problem with my act. All I joke about are things from the 80s. (laughs) I'm obsessed. you a theme comic. I had no idea. Well, it's like we were talking about, joking about birdhouses. You know, I've never heard another comic joke about that. So you would all automatically have me on board. Like, okay, I've never heard that before. Oh, a birdhouse bit. Yeah. Apparently,
1: uh, there's another comic that has a birdhouse bit, I've been
0: told. Well, I mean, but I, I guess it's possible. There's room for two, I guess. Well, that's why I joke about like a band like
1: Rat. No one jokes about Rat. Yeah, no one has Rat bits. Well, I mean, maybe it
0: sounds like you do. It's probably a good thing they don't, <laughs> to be honest. Round and round? I had the singer on the podcast, and I've, I've never been so starstruck in my life. I'm like, uh, 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 but he was the perfect amount of bitterness and funny. Oh, nice. Because he got it. He's, he's bitter? Yeah.
1: He's not? He's... Why? Does he feel like a... He's well, not respected, kn- or
0: well, he's uh, you know I, you know he was at the top of the mountain for a while, and yeah. then you know once the eighties you know Bon Jovi came on, and then you know bigger bands kind of passed them by, and then Nirvana and that whole scene yeah, came man. on and just crushed every band. I was like, yeah, I mean, the eighties glam rock kind of got grunged. Well, you know,
1: I but think not till like what. Or I guess early to mid-90s.
0: They run. had a nice run until 91, I think, when the Cherry Pie video came out. That was like the the apex. Yeah, where's that girl, man? She's, She's been, been on the podcast. Are you
1: kidding me? But Dude, is there anyone? How low on your list was I?
0: Just, oh, you were high I'm up. Just, I'm just kidding. I saw you on Kill Tony. I'm like... Oh, yeah. Kill, that was fun, man. I wonder if he would do the podcast. I'm like, yeah, hey, he's probably too busy. I'm happy to do it.
1: Well, I ran into a guy that you know, that knows you at the... At the gym here in uh, Weeho.
0: Do you go to... It ends with an X? Yes. Were you just I go there? To the. I go to Horse Ox Gym. Right. Yeah, I'll give <laughs> him a plug. We're at Equinox. Yeah, man. Were you just there today? Yes, I was. I think I saw you. I'm like, I think he's going to be on my podcast. <laughs> oh, that's weird. You're like,
1: how are neither one of us at my house ready to do this thing? And I'm like, fuck <laughs> it. Yeah, I was, was we- just there before I came here. Yeah. So was I. Nice, dude. I mean, I love Equinox. That's a great... Dude, that gym... First of all, it looks like X-Men training camp in there. (laughs) I'm like, holy shit. Everyone in there is a superhero.
0: I feel fat
1: when I go there. Yeah. Like, I'm like, normally I'm like, I feel like I can hang in there. I'm like, man, I better step it up. These people are in amazing shape. But it's it's a phenomenal gym, aside from the scene of being there. Like, just what they have there for you to utilize. It's very clean. It's super clean. It's huge. They have every piece of equipment I've ever... Even heard of or seen, and I was a trainer. I worked in a gym. I was a trainer when no one was a trainer in New York. In New York, yeah, Where, when, when yeah. people were like, "Nope, personal trainer is not a real thing." You know, <laughs> like, that's never going to be a thing. It'll always be like the you know celebrities and whoever will have trainers. No one else. Little did we know that like, oh no, yeah, like Tony Little. There's mm-hmm. like they're everywhere. There's like there's. There's 40 trainers employed at that gym alone, you know? like it's But a,
0: they're it's, all actors. It's a real job. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're all trying to... Like, there's one trainer at Equinox, and I'll give him a plug. Uh, his name's Clancy. He's the, the black dude with uh, dreadlocks. He's isn't a pro trainer. There's a couple of black dudes with dreadlocks there, isn't there? I think one might be Ricky Williams. Oh, okay. The football player who quit the NFL because he loved marijuana so much. That is dedication. That's right good there. weed. Yeah, that is some good weed. But like most, but so of those, Clancy. I think I know who you mean. Yeah, it's shorter. Uh, you, you know, but he's a pro trainer. Like he's not right. an actor. He's there right. for twelve hours a day. Yeah, uh, that's a good gig, man. I loved being a trainer. I was at know, the
1: gym all day. I was hanging out. I was helping people like get in shape and feel good. And
0: it does make you because I did it before I got into comedy, and I was certified. Like I was legit. Mm. But I, I think I had a tipping point moment where I saw a trainer. He must have been in his sixties. And he just looks so sad. Oh. You're like, all right, I gotta do something else. <laughs> I don't wanna be this
1: guy. <laughs> yeah, totally.
0: I mean, it could have been totally unrelated to his work. Yeah, maybe he had a bad fight with his wife or yeah, whatever, but I was just like, I gotta start taking comedy seriously. And hockey, apparently. Hockey's the only uh, non comedy thing I do. One, two, three, four,
1: five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Everywhere I look, there's more hockey trophies in here. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Are those hockey? Teams? Yes. 18, 19, 20,
0: 21. You have
1: 22 hockey trophies that I can see.
0: And probably another 30 upstairs. Wow. I have a super hard shot. Oh, all, really? All those are leading scorer trophies. What, do you got like a, a, an amazing slap shot? You yeah, play it's, D? Like a, it's like a Rain Man Goldberg from the Mighty Ducks just... I'm not the greatest. Uh, can't handle the puck that well. Can't skate that well. But I, I'm like King Kong when I can get a slap shot off. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so I you mean, still play now. I have to. Yeah, uh, I play too. I play every Tuesday. What out here? Or, no, what, back, where are you
1: back east? I have to do something non-comedy related. Yeah, uh, and a, an organized uh, team sport is fucking great for you.
0: Well, it's just it's bonding. Great thing to do. Yeah, man. You know, I don't know. Uh, like for me, most of my friends are comics, actors, musicians, and I just have to be around someone who works at Walmart. Doesn't mm. care about an audition. Yeah, it's got you got to step away because it started. The business started affecting me. Yeah. What what's your like non non-com, uh, non comedy thing that you do? You have like a, a I have hobby? A, I have a lot. I have a,
1: uh, I have a band. I play music. I play my my own original tunes and stuff, but uh so that's completely separate. I always want to keep them completely separate. Um I play hockey. I uh I used to do triathlon. I did triathlon for years, so like I had I always had I try to have something healthy and completely separate from comedy to to turn to, you know. Oh, I you have to The comedy business, it, it it'll make you crazy. There's a lot of people that are in it exist only in that world like they just live and eat and breathe comedy. They don't have any any other outlet. And that's fine if that works for them, that's fine, but that just doesn't work for me. I can't do that. It it it's too uh too narrow of a perspective. When yeah. all you see is, you know, the comedy business and you, all you can f- like relate to is your hierarchy within that and like it's just obsessive by nature anyway and uh yeah I've always tried to have at least
0: a a good part of my life outside of that world yeah I mean you you have to have uh some other form of release or this business will make you go fucking nuts yeah no doubt about it you know and just like hockey for whatever reason is an aggressive enough outlet for me to
1: yeah and it's and it it's all consuming. Sorry, I
0: didn't mean to cut you off.
1: No, no. it's It consumes you enough that you can't think about... I'm never playing hockey and worrying about work or thinking right. about comedy. I'm just thinking about hockey. Nothing else. It's like... That's part of what I love about it. Because it's such a team sport.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh,
1: you just have to be present. Yeah,
0: and I just... It's, it's deep. It's, There's a lot of layers to hockey. Like... There's, there's a lot going on out there. It's a brotherhood. like Yeah. And that's why I even like watching hockey. just Because it's like, you know, in football, you'll see a quarterback get a late hit. And you might see a lineman push the guy a little bit. But in hockey, if you cheap shot, say, the Kings, Andre Kopitar, you got three Kings going after that guy. Like right away. You're not going to do that to our guy. <laughs> uh, and I just love that... Uh, camaraderie yeah because you don't see that in comedy i play an old guy's league we don't hit <laughs> yeah well when, when you get to our uh
1: <laughs> i love it i'm not willing to sacrifice my living like getting hurt playing hockey right but, but you can't make sense yeah you work too much yep you can't do it
0: but that is uh you know it's funny i i don't play as much as i used to because uh you know you know if i'm on a tv show that week i'm like i can't take the risk of getting hurt yeah oh well, that'd be brutal to miss out on a gig because of uh well i mean when you're at my fame level injured. which is basically no fame uh, <laughs> hey you're number two well it's recent <laughs> right that just happened but in terms of overall fame i'm pretty uh I, i'm pretty low on the uh, totem pole <laughs> i'm a realist uh so the you know he's like guys i can't play I, I have to film a showtime thing tomorrow I, I just i can't take the risk of wrenching my back right and they were so naive they're like oh why not man you know it's like well well it's a gig <laughs> <laughs> yeah something i'm working toward like if you were doing uh cash cab and like you know you got hurt and you said hey i, I can't come in they asked me it's funny you mentioned that the last time we were shooting like a couple months back
1: they were like could you just not play hockey until <laughs> until we're done
0: shooting. <laughs> yeah, like if you took a puck to the face, yeah, God forbid, mm. and you like lost seven teeth or whatever, and they yeah. you couldn't film, you'd be maybe you wouldn't be fired because you were the you were the show. I wouldn't be fired, but I, it would be it'd be terrible for a lot of people.
1: Right? Yeah, I threw my back out one year when we were shooting, not playing hockey or anything, but. That we had to shut down. Our production shut down for like nearly a month. And there was all, a lot of people out of, temporarily out of work, but we needed to keep them around for when we were starting again. So it was uh, a little bit of a nightmare on the insurance side of things. Right. And I didn't realize about the doctor that I went to see who helped me a lot. He's a great doctor and osteopath, which I recommend to people who have back problems always because people are like, they'll do an x ray and they'll go, oh, I have two crushed discs. That's right. the cause of my pain. Not necessarily. I have two crushed discs and I have no back pain. Well, I had a whole, a totally different scenario going on that was causing my back pain. But that doctor was great and I felt really badly because then he got into a shitstorm of like he got questioned by the insurance companies and like because there was a lot of money on the line for everyone to still be getting paid. Sure. While, I, while they were waiting for me to be well enough to shoot again. So. That kind of sucked and that's why i was training for triathlon then it was kind of ridiculous of me to be doing that while i was shooting the show six days a week <laughs> right
0: so that's kind of on me but yeah but i mean you know you were the show so mm. yeah you know no. thanks man well it's you know
1: like they can't do it without you they'd have a hard time as we proved this last year, we just did, we just, the last new one just aired. We've made, been making new cash cabs for the last two years again.
0: And what's uh, the future? Like we're back to the waiting game.
1: You know, our last new episode just aired and now we're like, all right, we're going to re-up. <laughs> it is crazy when. Uh, <laughs> it's just the whole, it's just TV, man. Are you going
0: to, are we going to make more or are we going to wait around? You know? I but, mean, it's, you know, like I was on a Showtime show that just got canceled and it. That sucks. What show is that? I'm Dying Up Here. Oh, yeah.
1: That's and, great,
0: man. I mean, it was... A, it sucks it got canceled. It was awesome. You know, but it was like my first look into uh, the other side of the business where it's like, wow, a good show. And, you know, it's Melissa Leo's won an Oscar. and, and Yeah, man. All the actors on it are amazing and they all work. And, uh, you know, it just didn't really catch viewers, but it was still very critically acclaimed. Yeah.
1: I thought it was great.
0: and. I know a couple of those guys, Andrew. Oh, I mean, uh, Santino and Eric. and Eric Griffin and Al Madrigal. And, and Al, uh, yeah. And the actors on it, like Jake Lacey and uh, Ari. It's just like, how is this show getting canceled? But Big Brother is on its like, yeah, well, 20th season. What are you going to do? <laughs> I don't know, make a reality show and get in on that game. Would you feel all right with that, though? Or would you... I wouldn't. I'd rather have a, I'd
1: rather make a show like... Uh, cash Cap? No, like I'm dying up here and feel great about what I'm doing. I, I'm happy to make more Cash Caps. I mean, as opposed to like Big
0: Brother. I mean, it's tough. I, I, I you know... It just, That's a shame. I didn't know that show was canceled. Yeah, they just, uh, I guess the word just came last week. And it's just like, wow, this is like... You know, when you see what's out there on TV, I just don't, I don't understand it. I mean, you've been in the game a long time, like wow, yeah. I mean, order of a century. Good golly. I mean, not what? What's your secret to longevity in this business? Uh, Probably the the
1: uh, the idea of having a life outside it. Having things to do that are not related to getting, not existing completely in show business, but having a world of, uh, of other things where I could go and, you know, it's easier. You come back to it when, when you have to. And, and I don't know. And, and like realizing that the only path you have to follow in this business is your own progress. Right there's no hierarchy. There's no if I get this, then I get that. There's no, oh, and after this many years, I'll be promoted to uh, whatever. There's no path. There's only your path, right? And the only the only real path that you can create for yourself that will be reliable and consistent is your own progress as a performer, as right. a comedian or musician or whatever whatever it is. That's the only uh, realistic, accurate path that you can go by. So if you stick to that. And you're diligent, and you keep an open mind, and you and you work hard. You can move along that path, regardless of what's going on around you. Which it almost ne- needs to be that because you have zero control over what's going on around you, and crazy shit's going to happen. You know, right? When I started in comedy, there was no there was no such thing as reality TV, right? And then it's like, oh, now now you have a TV show, and I'm like, oh, that's great. And it's a little bit of a of a joke, almost, because it's like, yeah, so does uh, so does the butcher and the guy that makes cupcakes and the uh, <laughs> right. everybody, every you've got your own TV show, but so does everyone else who never meant to have a TV show. Right. You know, it's it's just changed so much. Is my point that you could never see that coming? <laughs> oh and, no! And if you were so focused on one aspect of the business or just the business itself, then that could a thing like that, a change like that, could just blindside you. And you could feel like throwing on towel in. But if you're not completely zoned into that stuff and you're ready to kind of take the hits as they come, roll with it and keep your eye on getting better as, at what you do, then that stuff
0: bounces off of you instead of, instead of taking you down, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess that was my problem for a while. So why is this person getting this? It's very. Oh, yeah. I, you know, and I exact I, same theory applies to that, you know,
1: like people you are like. Well, how did that guy, or whatever? Yeah, you can't think about that stuff. It's hard, though. Well,
0: it wasn't necessarily out of jealousy, but it was like right. I just did a show with this person, and right? I, right. I'm not saying I was better, but I, I was on their level, and I'm doing an open mic tonight, and they're on, I don't know, Conan or whatever. Right. Yeah. So, well, see,
1: I still feel that way. I'm 25 years in. I have, I'm have i pretty accomplished. I still feel the exact same way. I'm like guys that I started with. I'm like, why am I at, you know, the improv? Right. There's an A club. Oh, sure. It's great. But, you know, my friends are at Carnegie Hall and uh, <laughs> they're playing arenas. And <laughs> I'm just like, all right. So, and even those guys, among those guys, there's a, you know, Nobody feels like they're right at the top, and everybody wants to.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, I don't. I still. I'm probably close to 20 years in. I still don't know what making it means. Right. You yeah, know, yeah. To an open micer, I've probably made it. To me, you've made it. Right. To you, but maybe I don't know. Adam Sandler's made it. And, yeah. Know, uh, <laughs> I'm sure to Russell Peters. I don't know who he would uh, <laughs> look up to, but uh, I'm sure. Sinbad i think it's sinbad for but russell. you might be right <laughs> yeah you never <laughs> like, know. like he might
1: he's a fan he's a big comedy fan russell he he i think he looks up to a lot of guys as performers yeah he ends up taking them out on the road to open for him which is pretty funny and That's... and generous and
0: cool of him oh but, my uh, god he's uh I, I met him once and uh we actually bonded over kiss
1: oh he's right he's
0: a big kiss fan huge right? kiss fan and uh Couple of weeks later, Paul Stanley was at the House of Blues with his solo band. He just calls me up. I don't know how he got my number. He's like, "I'm going to take you to see Paul tonight. We're with the same agency." I'm like, "Well, let me take you to dinner." Like, I'm I have a horrible time accepting things. Yeah, uh, and you no, don't want help. Well, I'll take it, but I want to give something back. Like, right. if you said, "Hey, I know uh, Gene Simmons. Uh, uh, let me take you to dinner," or, or something. Russell's like, "No, let me take you to dinner." And then we'll go to the laugh factory afterwards. I'll get you in there. I'm like, but I and it's hard to ask <laughs> right, Russell, you're like, but what do you need? Yeah. But uh, I th- I just love I wish everyone were like Russell. He's a good dude, man. Oh, he's just like he's and that's why guy. he's successful and him and like people like David Spade or like there are good people in this business. Yeah. Like, yeah, hell yeah. I don't know David Spade, but I have actually
1: Heard just recently somebody was talking about what a good guy he is. He's
0: just very generous. And I don't mean like giving people things, like material things, but just like, here, open for me on the road or, uh, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, it's nice to... And I've always heard good things about you. You know, it's just cool. nice to... That's good to know. You know, it's well, nice to be liked.
1: That's another thing that you can get caught up in is this feeling of, uh, of being left out or... You could, it's amazing what you can do in your own head if you're obsessing about something about your status in the business or about you know it's easy to feel like you've been left behind when really no one's thinking of it that way i still deal with that stuff on some level you know like you see uh you know people are are you know i i i got into this kind of by accident although it was clearly my calling uh i wanted to get into film i wanted i can i moved out here to get into Film I wanted to make movies and act in movies and I just have always loved movies. And so now you know I know people that are in the movies and I know people that are doing that. I'm not really doing that yet. I'm still trying to break into that. And it just uh it can it can be ver- really frustrating.
0: Well, I mean and as
1: we were saying, it, that goes through all the way to the top. Everybody everyone feels that way.
0: Well, I would say when you're not working. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and we're also like this might be a bit of a negative statement, but you know the business better than I do, like we're almost in the worst category ever white guy, older white guy, older white guy, yeah, kind of just normal i mean we're normal looking guys we're good looking guys <laughs> we're not yeah, we're not crazy out there in any category, really we're right? not like it almost pays to be like obese. <laughs> You know, so you can play the wacky neighbor, yeah, or like someone like Michael Richards with the hair, yeah, you know, the crazy hair, or uh, you yeah, it's, know, f- it's funny. You're right. It,
1: it's easier on the other side of this business if the person, the talent, f- sort of fits into a category, right? Like if if you and if if your material fits with your look. I never thought about it that way. It's, it's always even better. It's always yeah. It is, but I, to me, I it's always just been organic i think this is funny that this thing occurred to me that i think is funny so i'll talk about that i was never i never tried to package myself or or you know like i guess some people do that they're like this is what i look like so i'll i'll try to build my act sort of around that and and that makes them more castable
0: if yeah. they, if they have like a character that they are you know i mean i so. look probably like a weezer fan but i'm talking about metal and it's like well this doesn't really <laughs> add up so you're not a Weezer fan? I love Weezer. You love Weezer. They get it. I like bands, comics band. Like, you know, I went to Weezer uh, a couple of weeks ago at the forum, and you know, Buddy Holly's their big hit. Yeah. uh And they started the show with Buddy Holly. Right. That, that's a great move. That's a great move. Like, yeah. Everyone's in. We're right in out of the gate. Yeah. Here's a song you want to hear. Now we're gonna do what we want to do. Right. And you know they have a lot of hits, but they like, do, yeah, you know Buddy Holly's their most iconic hit. And I just you could tell they're like, all right, we're metalheads, we're closeted metal fans, so we're gonna do a Ozzy Osbourne cover. Uh, they did an Aha cover. You know that song, Take On Take Me? Take On Me. I was going to say, it has to be that one. Did yeah. Aha have another? <laughs> they have a Greatest Hits album with just 20 versions of Take On Me. <laughs> Take On Me. Uh, Take but, On Me again. Yeah. Take On Me uh, acoustic. Take On Me <laughs> salsa. Uh, you know, Like, I would love to see Kiss start off with rock and roll all night and then, now what? Right. So. Uh, but, but yeah, I think that's interesting too. Like,
1: Weezer... They knew what the crowd wanted. They came out and did it. What, what did they play
0: next? Did they? Well, their next song was it, they have I, that sweater song. Did you... They have that. That was a few songs later. The, the second song they go right into it uh, was Beverly Hills. I which is co- I
1: know that song.
0: It was uh, maybe if I heard it, I would. Yeah, yeah, it was. It's but it's kind of mocking the people uh, from you know from Beverly Hills, well-to-do neighborhoods. It's like that's oh, yeah. kind of ballsy to.
1: to to make fun of rich people.
0: It, in basically this neighborhood that, you know, there's a lot of people at this concert from Beverly Hills probably. Right. They don't care. Right. You know, it's like I saw a band called Bowling for Soup, which is kind of like the the 90s cheap trick. Like they should be bigger, but they're not. Right, uh, right. And it's a I good saw, name. Yeah, oh, it's, they're really funny, and they're kind of just fun pop songs. And uh, about 40 minutes in, the whole crowd at the Roxy is singing every word to every song uh and then the singer was like hey we're gonna do two new songs so uh if you want to take a shit now would be the time if you guys want to fuck off to the bar <laughs> and I, I just do some shit you don't care about i love it whether it's a comic you know uh, a band like i love that this hey, is what we're gonna do this is who we are yeah you like it great i would have stayed oh like, i did i would have at least been like all right you got me i want to hear this stuff you know and the first song didn't I mean, that crowd was so hot for them, they could have sang the phone book and the crowd would have left happy. But the first song maybe didn't get the the greatest response. And he's like, as soon as they finished, he's like, I told you. I told you guys, go take a shit. (laughs) So we got one more song if you still got to make a bowel movement. (laughs) Now, do you find it hard when you're doing stand-up? Because you're so known for cash cab. Mm. Is it almost... It's probably... Torch to bear and uh, and a, like, does it? It's both. Yeah, it is. It it. Uh, and I don't find it as hard now as I
1: did at the time, because my like what happened is my audience just changed. Suddenly, I had a bigger audience because you know having a cash cab put asses in the seats, but they were a different audience and they weren't people that uh, by and large, obviously there's exceptions, but they weren't people that were comedy watchers they weren't people that went would go to stand up shows right so they would come out to my show often it would be their first time at a comedy club or a comedy show in a theater or wherever and they would just they wouldn't totally understand kind of what the I mean it seems pretty simple and obvious to us we've been in the business for a long time but they just like some of them thought I would be asking trivia questions like they thought I was going to do a live version of Cash Cab you know right and and I used to have this delivery where I would come out and I'd be like, good evening. And I would do this like very deliberate, slow, deliberate, almost announcer kind of voice, which had evolved over like 12 years of, of hitting the clubs in New York every single night. And it turned into this thing that worked really well. And uh, when people that knew me as the cash cab guy would come out to the shows, they would kind of be like what is he doing <laughs> you know if i was d- doing my act in that same old voice they were like they didn't get it they didn't know why I, they're like why is the guy on the tv talking differently right and uh so i had to, it was really tough for a while i mean i would get angry at them and like what's going on my my tried and true stuff isn't working like it's supposed to and they're and they seem disappointed and so there was a definitely a struggle uh In the long run, it made me a better performer because I could roll with like yet another scenario that's less than ideal. But but it was tough. It was a tough time, you know? And there's not a lot of sympathy from people when you're like, yeah, all my fans from my show are coming out and it's fucking up my... (laughs) It was like, shut up, asshole
0: did you have to like adjust? you're selling out
1: shows we don't we have no sympathy for yeah. you at all make us laugh monkey man yeah totally well i mean like other and people in the business and everybody is like i don't they don't want to hear your complaints when you're when you're kind of at the top there right or at least feeling like that you know when the when the show was winning emmys and i was selling out all these shows and like it, everything was kind of great yeah, there's not a lot of sympathy from people you could get it from people who had experienced the same stuff. You know, a guy like Bob Saget, who yeah, who dealt with you know, I'm the, he's supposed to be this father figure, but his stand up is very smart, but also filthy. puts you in a tough spot.
0: Oh, and there's yeah. not a lot
1: of people sitting
0: around waiting to uh, console you over your <laughs> over your problems. You know, yeah, he's probably the be- best example of like he yeah. has this wholesome image of Full House and the Olsen twins and like I remember once I was on stage at the comedy store and I, I think I did an AIDS joke and right. and I saw him in the crowd I'm like oh man I'm sorry Mr. Sagan. I, I, I'm really <laughs> sorry I, I don't normally joke about AIDS when <laughs> yeah I, I'm really sorry and he, he pulled me aside after he's like I loved it like, oh <laughs> he likes it dark yeah. yeah and I saw Jay Leno once at the Hermosa and when right. Kinda dirty for him. Right. Yeah, more than you'd expect, right? Yeah. And I was like, wow. And I guess, you know, when you're at that your level and and their level, just fans want the guy they see on TV. And it's like, what if that's not you on your stand up? Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird little gap that I didn't see
1: coming, you know? Because you you just have this clear idea in your head. You're like, one day, if all goes well, I'll get a TV show and then I'll sell out shows and then I'll get everyone will love me and i'll get parts in movies and then
0: <laughs> and then you get it yeah, and then
1: you get then you get the first part the show and it's not it doesn't all fall into place quite like you had hoped it actually gets harder
0: <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> instead of getting easier
0: that's the crazy thing is the more <laughs> yeah, totally. successful you get and i've experienced a tenth of what you have it it's getting harder
1: it gets harder yeah When there's expectation, all of a sudden there's expectation when there was none before.
0: Yeah. Like I, even when I'm on Twitter now, I'm like, oh, well, I've been on a few TV shows recently. Maybe I shouldn't tweet this out. Yeah. Do you have to censor yourself now? Like, Not that you were a wild man on Twitter, but like, yeah, you know, like, have you ever
1: like, I'm not really a wild man or like a, I don't say shocking things or offensive things generally anyway, you know, kind of a more tame person than that in general. So it's not like I'm policing myself, but I, I've been right where you were with that, where I'm like, you know what, this is, this isn't in the, in reality, this isn't bad or offensive what I'm thinking about posting. Right. But could it be sort of perverted into that? Could someone see it the wrong way? Or so, yeah, I, you know, sometimes I, I don't post something because I, I'm I think someone might take it the wrong way, or because there's so
0: many uh, police out there now, yeah, especially man. on Twitter, yeah or Instagram, yeah, uh whereas you know, hey, let's get the cash cab guy like yeah, get him, like, <laughs> we can bring him down, yeah, well, I find that people love taking people down who are successful, oh, yeah, They're, for sure, you, you know, and they'll look up a tweet you meet or an Instagram post or it's know. human nature to some extent, like you remember that movie phenomenon, oh absolutely,
1: uh. Travolta plays a guy who just becomes a super genius. Yeah. And there's a great scene where, uh, Robert Duvall is, his characters in the bar and everyone in the town is afraid of Travolta's character and what's happened to him. And, uh, and they're all just like talking shit about him and, and, Robert Duvall, his character, I can't remember the character's name, gets really angry with them. I think he plays the sheriff or the mayor or something. And he, like, smashes his glass against the wall, and he's like, why you got to tear him down? He screams at him, why you got to tear him down? It's just such human nature that someone's, like, taking off. Everybody wants to pull them down and not be left behind. Like, When really, you know, especially in a scenario like that, you should be celebrating other, other oh, yeah. people's success it's like we're all in the same boat should be happy if somebody's succeeding not uh not fearful that you're not going to make it or whatever you know
0: well i've always thought i want my friends to succeed one because i like them they're my friends and two they can help me <laughs> yeah, yeah totally <laughs> i yeah. mean it's a little self-serving i
1: guess but like well you no, that's a but that's a big difference some people especially in comedy Their dream only includes them. Right. They're like, I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. And even their friends around them, they don't, you know, either they don't care or they don't imagine or envision that kind of success for their friends because it's about them excelling above the others as an individual, you know. But I was always like, man, if my friends that are comedians are doing better, that's better for me. Yeah. Like, you know, I want there's room for everybody. Clearly now it's obvious there's room for a thousand times the co- you know as many comedians as there were
0: 10 years ago or or 15 years ago oh my god i mean uh, i mean i remember 15 years ago a special was like the biggest deal in the world yeah and now it's just yeah now netflix just announced 47 new
1: specials all people that i've haven't heard of which is partially because I I keep myself sequestered from a lot of that stuff. Good for you. But I it, don't. But also also just because they're they're new people and they're like there's that many comedians out there that, and I know they want to go international. But the point is what you were saying. It's a special isn't what it used to be. There's oh no. I mean I ma- they make a hundred of them a year or
0: something, <laughs> <laughs> and that's just on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> <Got me. laughs> It's got, I mean, Comedy Central. Uh, yeah. Uh, I know my friend Sarah Tiana just got a special, uh, you know, and, and then the late night talk shows. I mean, you've been on, I mean, Tonight Show. You've been on uh, Carson Daly. I mean... Yeah, you know, I never did Letterman, which was what I wanted to do when I started out. I think
1: everyone... Like, yeah, that was like everyone's goal at that time. It was the place to, to get to. I never made it.
0: Because he seemed the, not coolest, but I just... I would have loved to do Letterman just cuz his
1: humor was appreciated more.
0: Just a little drier
1: stand up arena,
0: I think, you know, yeah. Do you, what was your very first time on TV as a stand up? Um That's a good question.
1: I think I did Late Friday? Oh, wow. NBC Late Friday maybe? Or no, I did uh I can't remember the order of things. I did Star Search Star Search was the first time I did stand-up on TV, I think, when Arsenio was the host.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. And what was, I mean... I made it to the end, but I didn't win. Who won? Uh, John,
1: um... Hanson? No, John, uh, John Roy. Oh, wow, yeah, I remember him. I knocked John Reap out, and then I lost to John Roy. And then like 12 years later or something, I turned on the TV to just randomly in a hotel, just at the perfect moment to see John Reap win Last That's Comic right. Standing. <laughs> i go, like, oh, I remember that guy from Star Search. <laughs> oh, he, John Reap's the best. He's great. I saw him here in LA like a, probably a year ago now or something. We were laughing about way back when doing Star Search. It was either Star Search or, uh, or that late Friday that I was on as a stand-up. The first thing I ever did on TV period was acting and it was uh mad TV. Oh, wow. Just a guest role. I played a security guard at a casino uh, and Will Sassa was doing Tom Jones. Oh, he's awesome. And he was like groping a woman at the casino and, I came over to break it up, and I was like, "Oh, it's you, Mr. Jones!" And I, <laughs> that was the whole gag. Was like he just got away with whatever he wanted because he was Tom Jones.
0: Oh my, yeah. I mean, well, you couldn't do that sketch now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think you could do that one anymore. It's a whole new. It was uh, funny though. It was really funny. He was like super tan and had the curly wig
0: and like. Oh, was, he's awesome! Yeah, yeah, it was great. I mean, that's why it'll be interesting. I, speaking of Netflix, I know they're doing a Motley Crew movie. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. And it's just like, how do you portray that band in 2018 and the Me Too movement? I mean, yeah, you know, uh, but we'll see. I mean, I don't know who they got to play Vince Neil, but hopefully they got Vince Neil to play Vince Neil, I think. I think they got Tara Reid <laughs> and Joyce DeWitt as Mick Mars. <laughs> That's pretty good casting right there. I have an eye for casting. I would have also had, uh, let me see, Tommy Lee. Well, I'd say Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> okay, Tommy Man. Lee should be very flattered by that. Uh. Yeah, good-looking guy, and uh, then, or maybe you know, <laughs> in a certain aspect, uh, John. Well, I mean, uh, Ashton <laughs> Kutcher should be pleased. I mean, yes, he should. I've seen the porno. <laughs> uh, and then uh, let's see, Johnny Knoxville is Nikki Sixx that works and paul giamatti has uh, doc mcgee their manager <laughs> right, i don't know if paul giamatti would be happy with that role but it's like, done you just it's finished well if i you just cast the whole thing if i don't make and I'll put, of course i'll put myself in the movie you got to put yourself in there yeah i'll play Liberace when he saw them at the starwood guys <laughs> you look great <laughs> now do you find it hard we talked about when you did stand up and and Fans of your show would come out and be like, oh, he's not doing bits from the show. Yeah, like, why isn't he asking trivia questions? When you go into an audition for, say, a movie or another Mm -hmm. TV show, because you've been on, like, Law & Order and and shows like that, do you find they look at you, oh, it's the cash cab guy.
1: No, I find they look at me and they go, he doesn't look like I thought he looked. Right. They look, and it's partially just because, like, I have my head shaved on the show, lighting not great in the cab, no makeup, no, you know, I just, I just don't look like they thought I would be, they'd be, I'd be going in for stuff for like heavy set guys, big, heavy set, bald guys. And that's just not what I look like in person. So right. they'd kind of be like, oh, <laughs> I remember one one was like, well, you gave a great audition. And I'm like, but she's like, but you don't look, you don't look this part. So I, that's a gap that I need to, I've been working on figuring out how to fill that is like, I need to at least look like the stuff I'm going in for. <laughs> right. If you don't look like the guy that they're picturing, you don't have a, you, you could hit it out of the park and one in a million times, they might go, let's change the character. So, you know, cause this guy did it so well.
0: But is that more on your man or agent or man, like your representation? Go. Do you go to them and then go, why are you sending me out on that guy? Or like,
1: no, I think, well, they would send me out on lots of different stuff, but, the uh, and you know it was actually due in part to one uh, one agent at the time. This was this is going back a while at this point, but I haven't been auditioning for stuff much lately.
0: I would imagine you wouldn't have to almost. It's like uh, I would imagine a casting directors like, "We need this. Well, how about Ben Bailey? Like you're so known that, I, and I guess in well, some that's... ways it helps and hurts. Yeah, I guess. I mean,
1: I don't really know. I don't. I you know, I can only see it from my side, and I don't understand. Uh, the workings of the other side when it comes to me but maybe I i mean I've had I, I get offers to play me right do you want we want or, or play a game show host or like a, a mediator in a trivia competition the college right but it's basically they're they're offering me a chance to play myself in a movie and I'm like I, I've turned down some of those because I'd I'm already seen as that guy, the trivia host guy enough. I already feel like I'm fighting against that. I don't want to like instill it even more in people's minds by playing that same character in a film. But, and sometimes now I'm like, shit, I should have, I probably should have taken that. (laughs) I haven't gotten another role since then or in, in a film at least, but I don't know. I still feel like maybe that was the right call.
0: Oh, sure. I mean, you never know. Like, Uh, I've always been fascinated by roles people turn down and then, you know, later on they regret it. You know, I think, was it Burt Reynolds turned down Indiana Jones? Yeah. You know, Tom Selleck turned down Indiana Jones. And then, thank God they did, right? I kind of like to see Burt's take on, uh, you know. Yeah, Burt, I feel like
1: Burt would definitely fit in there. Well, you know what, either one of them would have probably done a great job, but it wouldn't have been the same. It wouldn't have had the... uh you know,
0: I just always I mean, loved Harrison
1: Ford. Pretty much, oh, he killed it. He couldn't have, uh, he couldn't have filled that
0: role more or any better than he did. But I have, I'm a like, I loved Timothy Dalton as James Bond. Virtually nobody did, right? Yeah, you're on the short list there because he was too good. I, to me, he was just too good of an actor. And it's like, yeah you know, you're not really like Roger Moore was doing shtick and with the humor, <laughs> right? Yeah, which I liked. But you know, you could tell Timothy Dalton was just like a classically trained you know, Broadway how many, thespian. And how many did he do? Two? He did two. And then I think he only got them because Pierce Brosnan was in Remington Steele. He was in a contract. And, and he Remington couldn't get Steel out. And it.
1: he couldn't get out. That was a uh, great show.
0: Oh, I loved Remington Steele. And it's I love stories like that because I know like uh, Roy Scheider was in Deer Hunter yeah. for like two weeks. And then uh, he, ha- he wanted to get out of his contract so bad with Universal. They said, we'll let you out. But you have to do Jaws 2 right now. Oh, and he got pulled from Deer Hunter yeah, for that. Yeah, to do Jaws 2, which you know, we talk about things you wish you would have done, you wouldn't have done. Yeah, man. I mean, he had the Deer De Niro Hunter. role. So. Right. Uh, Imagine how different that film would have been. I love Roy Scheider. Though. I love Roy Scheider, too. I mean, it definitely, I mean, De Niro, it's hard to argue. How much do you love Roy Scheider? I'm such a Roy Scheider fan. What was the helicopter movie? Blue Steel? Blue Thunder. (laughs) Blue Thunder, (laughs) right. My favorite movie of all time. Blue Steel is a different. uh, Blue Steel was with Jamie Lee Curtis and Ron Silver. Ron Silver, yeah. Uh, Blue Thunder. I have like a. I really wish I could make money off the stupid knowledge in my head. Uh, maybe I should go on Cash. <laughs> yeah, dude, you, well, you should come on my show. <laughs> if, yeah, if you have an '80s uh, obscure '80s movie uh, episode, I'd, <laughs> I'd like to throw my hat in the ring. I will. I'll keep your name on the short list for that. No, I'm sure it'll be. I the think only.
1: Cash Cab. We, it'd be great if we did like specific, you know, genres. If you know, if we change it up a little bit
0: like i was walking we do
1: a mo- an episode where it's all about movies Oh, I was, where it's all about I'm in.
0: sports an episode where it's all about you know i mean i saw i was walking around hollywood boulevard one day and i saw this guy and we locked eyes and we, i just we he knew i knew who he was and it was jeff speakman from that jeff speakman he did like that karate the perfect
1: movie. the perfect weapon the perfect weapon yeah i'm like man.
0: you're the perfect weapon speakman
1: i love that movie
0: and he looks at me and I was, you're
1: about the only one. Is
0: that what he said? Yeah.
1: <laughs> he just roundhoused you in the face? I just walked away. You're about the only one? Oh, that sucks.
0: Because I get excited to meet someone like him. Like uh, Tom Cruise could walk by me. Well, that's Tom Cruise. Yeah. I love seeing character actors on the street. It happens out here, man. Well, yeah, Equinox. Yeah. I'm not going to out the members there because, you know, it's yeah. not my place to say, hey, I bet Fabio goes there I
1: saw him there the other night yeah I and worked in on he was hogging the 50 pound dumbbells
0: that's all he does
1: <laughs>
0: I've I've studied his routine he yeah. he's he sits usually on that little chair yeah he's wearing a Seahawks a, a number 24 Seahawks jersey <laughs> I don't know who number 24 is and he's got these cargo pants on he'll do a set of 50 pound curls and then he'll walk around and talk to Horace for 40 minutes <laughs> I wasn't watching him closely enough to know, but... Why just zone out on I was on sitting you? in that
1: chair for a while, and I had to... Twice I had to uh, work in with the dumbbells he was using. Hey, you're at Equinox. You're doing it right, Ben. Dude, I love that gym. I zone out when I'm in there, though, and I put my headphones on because if I listen to the music that they play That's in there... That's horrible. While I work out, I would throw myself from the window
0: like... I, it's cruel and unusual, man. Well, that's when I saw you today there. I'm like, I think that's Ben. I want to say something to him, but you look pretty focused. I was, I
1: was in the zone. I was yeah. trying to, you know, and if it wasn't to be a gym you, rat again. I used to be a gym rat.
0: You was, could tell.
1: So when I come out here, I'm, I'm like, I'm getting back into the gym rat. I'm going to hit, I'm going to go there every day while I'm here.
0: Now, are you primarily based in New York? Yeah. I go back, I'm out here like maybe 10 days a month, something like that. And uh, when you're in New York, I find New York to be a better comedy city. There's know. more clubs and more yeah. rooms. And they're closer together. Yeah, you could walk. Yeah. I mean, the last time I was there for a comedy festival, I did like six spots a night and yeah. you're getting paid for most of them. Yeah. Out here, it's like we fought for that. We formed a coalition years ago, fought for
1: the, for the pay to go up in the clubs. And,
0: and we, how and do We you, won. Yeah. No. Thank it was,
1: you. It Was awesome. It was, was it was so great.
0: But I mean, that's kind of like what I'm dying up here was the 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 plot was basically the comics fighting mm. to get paid more and and like yeah yeah because uh, that happened here at the store. What back in the back in the seventies? 70s? 70s, like right, we're talking yeah. like the Tom Dreeson era. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know when uh, I know Tom. He's a great guy. Oh, Tom was like uh, I think my first year in comedy. I, I was pretty green and. To be honest, pretty bad. I mean, I mean, He's I such I, a good guy. Oh, he was. I sent him a VHS tape of me bombing in a coffee house. <laughs> I was horrible. I like, got him doing the worst jokes on earth. I mean, literally. I think one of the jokes was, uh, "I'm writing a book on uh, astrology and Liberace. It's called How to Find Your Anus." That's horrible. <laughs> Is that what he said? No, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. So I sent him the tape. <laughs> He watched it and he looks at me and goes, "You haven't done this long, have you?" <laughs> and he wasn't trying to be a dick. No, no, he's just yeah. He's just like, "Keep riding. Keep <laughs> like keep riding that. Keep at it." <laughs> uh so yeah, he was like one of the ones who were like to Mitzi and like, "Hey, we need to get paid." And she was like, "Well, the, the payment is the stage time and yeah. and that's kind of you know how that whole thing started And the improv it was kind of like the Bloods and the Crips. Right. Yeah. is that what it was like in new york like
1: in new york it was basically uh we just kind of one day we were like man we're getting we're working so hard and and these clubs are packed and we're not making enough to cover our cab fare to get you know which we have to do because that's the only way to go when you have all these spots lined up all these different clubs you can't drive there's nowhere to park you can't take public transportation you're not going to make it so it was like we got to take cabs and i can hardly i can't even pay for my cab fare let alone like and at the end of the night you you haven't made any money very little um, probably spent if yeah and if you're going to have a couple of drinks you know you're going to end up spending money but so we formed a coalition and we had uh we had like 200 some comics which at that time we were like oh my god i i had no idea there were so many comedians in new york now there's probably 10,000 people doing comedy in new york or something you know it's crazy but we basically said to the club owners, "We're out. We got to raise the pay, or we're not. We're not doing shows."
0: And you know, was it intimidating to like think, "Wow, this? What if they call our bluff? Uh, what if the clubs do?" Yeah, I mean, what if they well, say, "Okay, we were, see ya." Well, they kind of did, but they were
1: trying to call our bluff, but we weren't bluffing, as it turned out, and they they just found themselves with no one to do shows, except a handful of people who were scabs who were like, "No, we're gonna." we're going to cross the line and, and we're going to go do shows. But they were all people who hadn't really established themselves or hadn't even hardly started. And so that didn't really work. Right. And then it was getting close to, I think it was New Year's Eve, which is like the biggest yeah. night for them. And they started to cave and say, okay, okay, okay. All along up until that point, it was like, no, no, we are, we're barely getting by, you know. And then slowly it was like, no, no, we're okay. Well, we should be paying you guys more. And then, one of them just, uh, agreed to pay, and then the others kind of fell in line. Right. Um, and and we looked like five years later or something, we looked back and we, we added up the difference, uh, like how much more money comedians had been collectively paid in New York City because of that. And at that time, it was already um, more than $2 million. That's crazy. And now this is going, you know, that was 16 years ago or... I'm not I'm not sure exactly right. how long ago it was but imagine the difference it's made in all the comedians lives oh. up at this point like we we were like wow I could I could buy a sandwich.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not like <laughs> I you... could eat. It's not like we were we were buying houses or penthouse apartments but yeah. Well, I mean it's the same out here. It's it's like you know a lot of these popular bar shows don't pay the comics and even out right. here it's probably more expensive cuz you, you got to drive. Yeah, you got to drive. And you got to valet your car. Yeah. <laughs> So you know, I, I, I tried to add up the other night, my first 15 years in comedy, how much money I basically paid to do comedy. like, yeah, uh, cost you money, man. Oh, I used to drive to San Diego for a 10 minute spot for free, and that's two and a half hour drive, five hours total. I probably for that 10 minute spot, probably paid a hundred dollars in gas and food. and I was happy to do it, to be honest. Yeah. And did you get paid anything for that? No, nothing. But I'm Is not at the, the store down there in La Jolla, or the. No, it was a coffee. It, it sounds crazy, but like there was a co- there was a coffee house, and downstairs they had a basement that was like had a you know I've never performed at the cellar in New York, but it was like a, a cellar type vibe, right? Where it was packed, and uh, I was happy to make that five hour round trip drive for ten minutes in front of an audience, right? It was so, worth it uh, for me at the time. It was yeah. now. It's like uh, I'm, I'm certainly not cocky because I, I I don't think I've earned the right to be cocky. Well, stage time is important at whatever point you are. Oh, for sure. But now it's like, if you want me on your show, you got it like gas money or something. Yeah. You know, a couple bucks. It can't uh, cost me money, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, at, you know, 18, 19 years in, I'd be like, uh, you know, can I get like 20 bucks for gas? <laughs> yeah. I'm not the greatest businessman, Ben. You know? <laughs> uh, but when was... Now, this... Next question. I, I like to be motivated, baiting for comics who listen. Okay. And you, how long did you struggle before you saw the light at the end of the tunnel? Um, still struggling. <laughs> oh,
1: fuck. <laughs> I mean, I don't know exactly what you mean by the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, like Like the, like me, the realization that, okay, I can do this and I can, I can make my living doing this.
0: Yeah, like for me, I was 13 years in. I got on Roast Battle on Comedy Central. I was like, wow. Th- there, that, that was my light at the end of the tunnel. Like, oh, right. shit. The struggle, the, the open mics, the shitty drives for no pay. It was worth it. It was probably,
1: uh, I don't know. When I was 12 years in, I ran into Louis CK at a pizza place in New York. Uh, and I was looking miserable and he's like, what's, what's the matter with you? (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know. I just feel like I, this is all just pointless. Like I'm just running in circles, chasing my tail. And I've been doing this 12 years and, you know, a couple of little bites of this and that, but nothing that's making me feel secure and, and like, like I've succeeded at all. And he goes, uh, he goes, I still feel exactly the same way. That's and, crazy. And I've been doing this for 18 years. This is before he had his huge right. success. But still, he had he had, had some success. He had the lucky Louie by then, which was his first Louie show. Right. <laughs> um. But that gave me, that was a great thing for him to say to me. Because it gave me perspective. And it made me understand that. I might never f- really feel like I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, right? Uh, but I felt pretty secure and, and pretty solid in, in the business when, uh, when Cash Cab got picked up the second time, I think. And uh, it was like, all right, I can sustain this. I can, I can still, I can be a headlining comic. I can work the, the good rooms and make a living and and be comfortable. And uh, I don't have to like, I don't have to sweat my rent, right? <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, know, the, for the first time in my life, I'm not shitting myself trying to figure out how I'm going to pay the bills at the
0: end of the month. Right. You don't have to go down to San Diego for
1: ten minutes. Yeah, and I'm not. Well, and for me, well, for me, it it was like I would t- take road gigs to make the money, right? And I would charge the travel because I didn't have the money to pay for the travel. I would charge the travel and stuff to credit cards. And then by the time the money from the gig came in, I had to use it to pay my bills and then the credit card debt. So it was just mounting. Right. I wasn't paying it. I couldn't. I, like when the, the money from the gigs was not enough to pay my bills and to pay for my travel and expenses for doing the gigs. So I was just slowly burying myself. And uh, it wasn't until Cash Cab came along and was secure and, and, and then I, you know, I did a special. I had a deal for a special, and I hosted some other shows. And
0: it's probably around then that I kind of you know, was like, "I'm going to be okay." Right. You know. Now, when you did your special, I think so many people, because I've had friends who've done specials, and they just think the next day Hollywood's going to be calling, "Hey, here's a movie deal here's a here's a development yeah. deal." Uh, what well, you know? Because I know we've all heard the story of David Brenner getting the Tonight Show. Which was basically a special back then. Yeah. And yeah. That was the, you're a made guy back yeah, in those he, days. I think he said that literally the next day he had 52 weeks of gigs. You know, <sighs> uh, but how, how was it for you the day after you got your special? Uh, Some bites?
1: No, nothing. <laughs> nothing. I mean, I already had stuff uh, in the works. But, yeah, it wasn't like anybody called and said, congratulations, here's what you've won. (laughs) (laughs) You're the
0: king of Hollywood. I got a (laughs) lot. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like uh, Scary Perry.
0: Oh, that's scary. (laughs) Wow. Now we're talking.
1: Yeah. Oh, I thought you were referencing Windy City Heat.
0: Oh, I, Windy City Heat is <laughs> The like, king of Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> or no, he was the president of show business. Right. Not uh, the king of Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think fans who listen to this show are well-versed in the uh, greatness of Windy City Heat. <laughs> Shit is hilarious. Which is crazy. That so 20... smart. So it's genius. Oh, Don Barris, is uh, who's the king of uh, late night at the comedy store. But, you know, to 26 years, I've never seen a... I guess you'd say a, a prank last 26 years. <laughs> yeah, it's still going, isn't it? Because <laughs> that's every person who knows, I know Perry and they're like, he doesn't really think it's real. Does he? I mean, yeah, absolutely. He does 100%, doesn't he? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Hey, like he still thinks there's going to be a sequel and there might be. I think there should be. Oh, absolutely. I
1: mean, I'd like to be in it. Me too. You're casting it. You put us both in it.
0: <laughs> maybe you and I could be the, uh, you know, uh, Backstreet Boy members down on their luck. <laughs> we're forming a new boy band. A man band. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. We're, we're like Crockett and Tubbs with we're this material. F- we're forming a man band. Well, it's what? called Ultimate Loser. <laughs> well, I'd probably... You, <laughs> may, maybe that's a new show. There you go. Ultimate Loser. Wait a minute. Well, you know, listen, I saw, <laughs> I, you know, we talked when we first started about some of the shows that are on the air and I don't understand. Like I saw the guy one night at, at the comedy store, uh, Adam Richman, I think, who hosts Man vs. Food. Okay. And I just jokingly said to him, hey, I've got an idea for a show that should go on right after Man vs. Food. And he kind of tilted his head and was, what is it? It's called Man vs. Toilet. <laughs> And he, he didn't, like, blow me off right away. He said, well, what's the idea? I'm like, well, you have uh, 12 porta-potties. You have a scale at the bottom of them. It's a competitive eating <laughs> show where people just engorge themselves. And the person who shits the least gets kicked off that week. <laughs> and he didn't really say no. No, he said, thought, oh. thought about it. <laughs> like, is that... when well, you're that- tra- Like, when you're trying to get shows... Like, you, I'm assuming you pitch shows and, yeah. and like... It,
1: yeah, I have a couple in, that I'm developing right now, but it,
0: uh, and is it frustrating are, to try and figure out what what executives want in, in this era?
1: I try not to look at it that way. Still, I I still want my ideas to be uh, good or <laughs> organic. Like I'm inspired to, to to make them. Like if if something occurs to me that it's a good idea, then I'm like, all right, I want to I'm going to try this one. Maybe people are going to be like, we don't give a shit about that idea because we're more interested in this or that but whatever that's not a, I can't I can't try to force my uh creativity to suit what someone else might want I just can't do it, it to me it defeats the purpose of being of creating to begin with uh, that said I'm a, I'm in a position where I can pick and choose a little bit so I'm, right. I'm fortunate in that in that way but uh like. What you're saying definitely speaks to the atmosphere, the landscape out there right now is people are are ready to look in the least likely places for oh, this could be a great show. I was at a pitch meeting. I was pitching a show that's like people have made similar shows since. I'm not saying people stole it from me, but clearly a marketable show is about me being on the road as a comic and trying to eat healthy. And like getting arriving in a different town and trying to find the good places to eat.
0: And it is tough.
1: It is hard, man, especially at the end of the night. You're in the middle of nowhere. You're like, what the fuck am I going to eat? It's uh, shake, or steak and shake or Taco Bell. Or like, Waffle House. I, yeah, it's like I drink vegetable juice and like <laughs> I try to eat healthy and keep myself healthy just because I like to feel good, you know, and it's very hard when you're in the middle of fucking nowhere like that. So I thought it was a pretty, this is going back several years and at the time it was kind of a pretty, uh, it was a new idea and a, I thought a good one for a show. But so before I get get to pitching the show in this meeting, we're talking about how everybody's got a show. And I say to these guys that I'm pitching to, I say, yeah, I know what you mean. And I tell them the true story of how I was taking a bunch of stuff to the recycle bin, the recycle center, not the recycle bin. And uh, while I'm there, this guy who drives a garbage truck is pitching me a show, (laughs) Right? right? Which I thought was hilarious. That the garbage, the guy, the garbage man is, p- is pitching the yeah. show. The people in the meeting, they lit up. They wanted, they didn't want to hear my idea anymore. They wanted to hear. They thought I was there to pitch them the show that this garbage man had pitched me, and they were excited about that. When I told them, "No, no, no, that's not the show. I'm here to pitch," they were like, "Oh," uh. <laughs> like they were more interested in a show that a garbage man wanted to pitch them than the show that I Ben Bailey wanted to pitch them because that's where that's where they were looking that's where people were finding these little gems that turn into these big shows that cost next to nothing to produce you know that's where everybody's looking that's you know I don't even know what the show was that he wanted
0: to pitch me <laughs> it's probably in its third season it, it might be they might they might have gone out and <laughs> found the guy you know oh I mean that was the first show I was on roast battle literally started in an empty belly room uh, two comics wanted to fist fight each other, and Brian Moses, who was it was an open mic. There's no one there, right? And Brian Moses was, "Hey, you guys can't fight in here. Why don't you guys insult each other?" I don't you know want to be- just slam each other. Instead, yeah. I'm not sure the exact wording he said. And so they did it. It was pretty funny. Next week, two comics were like, "Hey, can we do that too?" And then the next week, that's how roast battle started. Yeah, I mean, oh no shit, I literally. And now it's in its. Uh, I think upcoming fourth season it's now it's in canada mexico it's on comedy central yeah huh. uh, so it was like th- that's why i never shit on anyone's idea for a show
1: yeah well you never know what's gonna what's
0: gonna hit man it's never been more true than it is now and so much Who of knows? the industry on roast battle i could tell you know because when it was starting to gain a little bit of steam and for you know third week 50 people were in the room and then you know fourth week 70 people and then it was standing room only for years still is and you could tell the industry would come in and who's gonna watch two open micers insult each other and then they kept coming back they kept coming oh, back. maybe a lot of people everybody will. yeah yeah i mean well it's yeah, like i had no idea it was uh, such a big thing roast battle yeah i mean i uh it's done a lot for me uh cool but you know Jeff ross right isn't it yeah jeff ross can't jeff got on television uh you know it, it's 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 still going strong i've never in la comedy a show usually fizzles out seven eight months and it's like okay let's that was fun what's next yeah. yeah i mean it's la i'm sure new york it's similar mm. uh
1: well, new york doesn't have as many maybe well maybe it does now and i don't know it but it- in my experience it doesn't have as many sort of offshoot uh not classic right. stand-up kind of shows there's more there's a lot of those there's not as many that are kind of uh you know like spin-offs right <laughs> you know
0: I mean out here you have kill Tony which is great right um and then roast battle is kind of a not a sister show to that but you know similar type of roasting show and i mean the funny thing to me about roast battle was it started off as like an anti-alt show like alt comics with shit on it like that's not comedy right and then once it got on television you had alt comics wanting to yeah
1: then they want to get on there oh well
0: yeah a cool
1: show we don't want to be alternative to success
0: yeah well on television oh yeah i mean (laughs) you know to me it's all comedy uh ben i can't thank you enough i apologize i'm looking at
1: my phone i'm not trying to signal that we uh
0: no no please
1: just a message popped up there and i
0: do your thing you (laughs) got to make a call make the call no i do not have to make a call because
1: you didn't have to come down here and you did hey i appreciate you having me it's just very last minute man
0: oh absolutely well uh jonathan branstein Set this up. So thank you to Jonathan. Yeah. He's the one who's messaging me right now. Manager extraordinaire. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's a good dude, right? Oh, you know, I love, you know, people like Jonathan, you. And just, he's such I, a character. You I'm know. on the phone with him. He's like, h- okay. Okay. H- h- yeah. Hang on.
1: Just hang, hang on. Just hang on. Hang on. Hang on for one second, Ben. Just hang. Hold, just let me. Hold on. Just. I just want to. Just hang on for one second, ben.
0: <laughs> for like for like five minutes, I'm like uh, okay, okay. <laughs> well, I, the first All time right. I talked to um, him, I thought there was bad reception. <laughs> so I was like, Jonathan, let me call you back on the landline. Yeah, because you're I actually breaking have. Up. So do I. I'm a big fan of the landline. I I I tell I say here's two numbers, my cell phone, blah blah blah, and here's my landline number, and they're like, landline? What are you still on AOL? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm actually, like, yeah. I've got mail. So uh, thank you in all seriousness for coming down. You bet. Thanks uh, for no having you're... me, man. Incredibly busy. Nice uh, to meet you. Yeah. It's, it's weird. I don't think I've ever done an episode where it's my introduction. Yeah. Hi, the... how are you? Let's sit down and record a show. Let me ask you questions while I look at your Wikipedia page. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, where your iPad Pro? Well, my vision's horrible. Badass. I've got I, one of those. It's like a I computer. take that to Equinox and put I it on the elliptical. Do you really? And people look at me like I'm the biggest fucking loser because I'm basically <laughs> watching a TV on my elliptical. But I have <laughs> poor vision. Uh, where? What's in the future? What What do you got coming up? Where people can support you? Um,
1: something that I can't think of right now surely something i have a bunch of stand-up appearances coming up
0: uh where new york
1: no all over the place let's have a look here
0: how about this your website
1: yeah my website is the realbenbailey.com.
0: it go there for all of ben's tour dates info on his upcoming shows and join my email list there as well on yes please support ben you oh, know thank he's you, man. a and great I- dude I'm real Ben Bailey on all social media, so, so Twitter, Instagram, follow him. Uh, Cash Cab's a great show. People about possible future seasons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we kind of think so. We're not. We just haven't heard yet. We're in the in the waiting waiting phase. So. Uh this is Inappropriate Earl, SoundCloud and iTunes. Do you have your own podcast? I have a podcast
1: called Tall But True. Uh, we don't have new episodes coming but right now, but we do in the
0: next couple of months. But they can find older episodes on iTunes? Yes, they can, yeah. So please support that. Leave a review for that. I don't think people realize how important reviews are on iTunes. Yeah, yeah, they're big. They're you big know, time, man. There's all kinds of uh, you know algorithms to crack the code. You, know, you don't have to hack into iTunes, but it helps if people leave reviews. Yeah, absolutely. So, Ben, thank you again very much. Thank Man. you, Earl. Best of luck to you, buddy. I'll need it with my act. I uh, hope you continue
1: to win hockey trophies
0: for you many know, years to come. <laughs> I wish I had more Emmys like you. You've got Emmys. I've got, I'll,
1: give you, I'll trade you one Emmy for how many of those do you have total? I'll
0: I tell you what. If that's how you get an Emmy, I'll give you uh, <laughs> those six right there. <laughs> I don't think I can legally do that. <laughs> Oh well, but I am a little bit envious of your hockey trophies, for sure. Believe me, I'm more envious of your Emmys. <laughs> but well, maybe you'll all get one. Maybe Ben will put happen. me in a show. It could happen. Maybe we could do—I don't know—a a reboot of Miami Vice. I'm in. Crockett and Tubbs. Yeah, man. I mean, Phil and Michael Thomas needs to work. Jesus Christ! How are you on the number one show of all time, and you don't work after? Maybe he didn't want to, or he. He He saved his money. Does he have a habit? It's possible. (laughs) Last time I saw him on TV, he was doing like diving with the stars. It it was (laughs) even worse than that. It was that was a real show, you know. Oh, I don't doubt it.
1: Two different networks had celebrity diving shows in the works at the same time.
0: Well, that's like when they had what was it's like? It was 1989. You had three movies about submarines. uh, Right, Leviathan. Mm. With Peter Weller, yeah, and, and then Richard Crenna, d- yes. Don't fuck with Mother Nature. I love Richard Crenna. It's a great. It was a great movie, Leviathan. I'm a Rambo guy.s The first one.
1: You're sending that many men in there against John Rambo. There's one thing you
0: better bring. What's that? A whole lot of body bags. It's over, John. <laughs> Nothing is over. Delmore, Delmore. losses. <laughs> Barry lost his mind and NOM didn't even know it. Cancer ate into the bone. <laughs> John, come on home. You've done a lot of damage here. They drew first blood, not me. That king shit cop. That's Brian Dennehy, by the way. Dennehy's great in that movie. Love that guy. A Miami Vice tie-in, his best friend was the chubby detective, Switek. Remember the bug guy who would always plan all the bugs? Yeah, 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 yeah he literally had those to guys are, were buddies he and uh best friends after miami vice the only roles that michael talbot could get would be the ones brian dennehy would give him wow proof that there are good people and then he had to move back to idaho so no that's a shame a tough business he's awesome yeah he's still uh i just saw him in something he's like that new m Emmett walsh of this generation like <laughs> just i'm a m emmet walsh i mean just the fact that he was in Red Scorpion with Dolph Longren. Thank you very much, Dolph. Red Scorpion. All right. I know you got to get out of here. I could talk 80s action. Uh, I was going to bring up um, Cobra. Oh, so well. You brought me to Cobra with that. This podcast just got extended for a few minutes.
1: <laughs> Do you remember this, the... the The
0: robot photo shoot montage with Bridget Nielsen and Cobra. (laughs) I remember the song that was playing in the row, Angel in the City. Angel in the City. Nice call, man. One of my... No one remembers that part. People remember the movie, but nobody remembers that. I'm an idiot. (laughs) Well, I remember it too. That's right before she went downstairs in the elevator and then had to go back upstairs to get the purse and then right. the night slasher came in. Yeah, the dude who had like he's like one of the best bad guys ever. They like stuff shit in his cheeks. No, that was natural. He was like, hey, peek. <laughs>
1: he kept going. It was Brian E. Thompson is
0: so over the top. Shit was awesome. There's an army of them yeah. clanging. They, hit their stuff the, together. Uh, they would hit the uh knives together and that final yeah, scene. They, yeah, that's right, man. Even I have rights. That's like almost
1: uh Almost Streets of Fire. Like it's tr- aspiring to be Streets of Fire. We might have to go another 10 minutes. <laughs> we could just do another one where we talk about... <laughs> We've off random 80s movies. I love that scene in Streets of Fire where he just knocks her out on the train. <laughs>
0: 1984, Walter Hill movie. Michael Perret. Shit.
1: Michael Perret, the, maybe one of the most underrated leading men...
0: Ever. Like, I love that guy, man. But that's like, and we could probably have a podcast about comics who should have made it. I'm sure we both know Mm. comics who, male and female, of why isn't this person famous and this person is. Goes back to like when I would see someone on TV and and like you look at Michael Perret in Streets of Fire and like good looking, Mm. good actor. Yeah, man. And then uh, anyway. that movie was such a bomb. Oh, but it's so great. But Diane Lane uh, survived unscathed. Yeah. It's so terrible and awesome. Well, when I was working late night at the Sports Connection in Santa Monica, it's the last job I had was at a gym. Right. Close to closing. I guess he was filming a movie nearby and he came in and said, hey, can I use the jacuzzi? I'm like... You're Tom Cody. And he looked at me like, What? He's like, My name is Michael. I'm like, No, that's not. No, it isn't. It's either Tom or Eddie. Yeah, Tom Cody from Streets of Fire. And he kind of laughed and was like, dude, dude, Can I use the fucking jacuzzi? You let him? Oh, absolutely. I did the yeah. same thing. Two nights later, David Caruso came in and he was a big start, but. Uh, he didn't mean the same to you, though, that Michael Clay did. did. He did, because I'm a huge fan of the TV show Crime Story. Oh, ah, okay. Which Dice Clay... I, I actually knew Dice Clay from Crime Story versus stand-up originally. And David Caruso walked in, same line, can I use the jacuzzi? I'm like, uh, you're just the punk from the patch, O'Donnell. <laughs> and he looked at me like, what? Yeah, I, see, I've done similar things. I used to, when I was a, first a personal
1: trainer... I worked uh, at this place, World Gym in New York, and we've, we got to, it got to the point where the, all the trainers were like, we should be, we're making a, a third of what we're actually earning, you know? Like, like the comedy. gym is taking a big chunk. So I went and found another place to train, a private place to train, brought my clients with me and stuff. And uh, Lawrence Fishburne was training with a the guy there to, they were gonna, about to do the second Matrix movie, I think. Right. And he was training, doing sword training with this guy. So he was there sometimes. I I, spa- I did a similar thing. I s- pass him on the stairs and I go, Morpheus, you're alive. You know, and he just sh- rolled his eyes and shook his head. <laughs> He's just like, you I can't help. it. Like I the- couldn't help it either. It just, it just came out, you know.
0: Well, seeing that you're a fan of the movie Cobra, I once was at Ralph's on Olympic yeah. right outside Nakatomi Plaza. No shit. Yeah. And I'm in there and I see the bad guy from Cobra. No way. His name's Brian E. Thompson. Yeah. He's turned me down three times for the podcast, but I'm not uh. bitter. And I just walk up to him. He's like checking watermelons or something. I'm like, <laughs> and he knew, like, I'm literally standing an inch from him and he just turns to me and I'm like, You won't kill me, will you, pig? <laughs> Even I have rights. And he's looking at me like, What are you talking about? I'm like, Dude, Cobra. He didn't get, he didn't know what you were in. And then Stallone says to you, this is where the law stops and I start, start. (laughs) (laughs) sucker. And he just, he didn't even acknowledge me. He just kind of walked off. If you had had a matchstick in your mouth. Yeah. That might've done it. And the uh, overcoat, the gun with the Cobra on it. (laughs) With the Cobra. Marion. And and then I also saw the guy, the bad guy, typical ladies, bad guy in Cobra with the bad skin. They didn't really have a good Mm. dermatologist on Cobra (laughs) who was in the supermarket. Right. I actually saw him at a supermarket.
1: I don't know if I remember that
0: part. I know what you're talking about. It's the first scene where he's like, I want the media in here, man. I'm going to blow this place up. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I don't shop here <laughs> right behind a Bud Light sign and a Pepsi sign they knew what they were doing. This was long before cash Cab. They they had the sponsors flowing product placement. Ben Bailey, so you're first. the best. Dude, this was good fun. Thanks for having me. Please come back. We'll do a movie episode where I'd we can t- talk about Lou Diamond Phillips and the power of one or the first power. The first power with Jeff Kober. I know Lou. He's awesome. He's a great dude. Oh. A lot of love for... But he, we have a deal that I never bring that movie up. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Well, you know, Tom Cruise is like that with losing it. No, what's losing it? This is just a podcast that keeps on giving. <laughs> it's never going to end. Ben's busy, but I'll cancel your next appointment because we're going to do an hour on losing eight, it.
1: We're talking about 80s movies.
0: I it's... believe it's his very first movie where him, Jackie Earl Haley from... Right, yeah. Bad News Bears. Yep. Kelly Leak. Uh, Kelly Leak. Father Rorschach. The second Bad News Bears might be the most racist movie I've ever seen. Oh, my seen God. Yes, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. The whole movie, uh, Ahmad, the center fielder, is like, we're going to the joint, man. We're gonna- <laughs> <laughs> the, his, the black guy's sole concern was going to prison. Yeah, all- the Jewish guy was the guy handling the money. <laughs> <laughs> And, of course, Engelbert, the fat catcher, was just concerned with food. Just, eat, just eating candy bars the whole time. It's a tough business because, you know, I always thought, wow, he looks a little different than the, the original Bad News Bears. And apparently the first catcher and the OG Bad News Bears grew four inches so he wasn't as fat. Uh, so they didn't want him. So they kicked him out. Oh, that's brutal. Welcome to Hollywood, Engelbert.
1: Yeah. Uh, he could have s- still played a shitty catcher. Even
0: if he wasn't that fat, that's that's rough. Support Ben Bailey. <laughs> listen to his podcast. Yeah, Watch. check out the podcast, man. Please do. Uh, new episodes coming, but there you know you can still listen to older episodes on iTunes. Yeah, there's forty of them out there. Yeah. So uh, Ben was very nice. He didn't have to do this. He's leaving to go back home tomorrow. So I appreciate that, and uh, thank you guys for all the love and support. Jonathan Branstein, thank you for setting this up. Just and, give me. Just let me. Just give me a hang in,
1: you know. Hang on for one second.
0: I love you all. <laughs>